Welcome to Parkview. Hey, listen, we got a bunch of people standing in the back trying to get a seat. Move in, will you? Uh, somebody could have a seat by that beautiful lady down there because I'm not going to use it anymore. And uh, there's some more seats in there. Just scoot in so we can get everybody in. Got people in the underground. Everybody stomp real good for me. Say hello to the people in the underground. Love you guys. Happy Father's Day. We do weird things on Father's Day because, some of you are into that stomping a little too much. Um, we do weird things on Father's Day because we really want to honor our dads. Because our dads are so weird, aren't they? I mean, two of my three kids are out of the country, so this is a weird Father's Day for me. I got a kid in Bolivia, I got a kid in England, and one kid down there. Thank you for showing up for Father's Day. But dads are so bizarre. I mean, this is just stuff that dads do, okay? Just a couple of pictures of things that dads do. Like, I don't need a trailer. I got a hatchback, right? How about that? I got a convertible. That's awesome. Only a dad would think of that. This is an SUV that the window's broken out of. Isn't that what that little foamy stuff is for? That's that's hilarious. So how about this? You got to mow the, mow the trim, trim the hedges? You got a crane, you got a riding lawnmower. That's all you need. That's all needs to be said. That's beautiful right there. Campfire with toilet seats around it. Because there's always potty humor for a dad, am I right? This is my favorite. The ultimate deer stand. I got deer, beer, a hot tub. How much better could it get than that? Am I right? Okay, but the father of the year, the father of the year deal, this is it right here. This guy went fishing in the ocean, caught a barracuda. So cool. Now, wait, wait, go back a picture for a second. I want you to notice, go back one more. I want you to notice the look on her face. Okay? Now, here's a picture of the barracuda. Uh, that's pretty awesome. You get to catch a barracuda. Here's the reason her face is like that. Because the, because the barracuda jumped the hook and grabbed the hold of her arm. But her dad, because he's a dad, had the presence of mind to say, wait a minute, before we go get 51 stitches, let's take a picture. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter, when she was two and a half, fell into the wall and split her head open. Had to take her to the emergency room. Before we took her to the emergency room, I got the carpet cleaner out and cleaned the blood off the carpet. That's, that's just not, I mean, you gotta be practical if you're a father. Am I right? Or am I right? I wanna, I want you to, I want you to meet my good friend Brian Headwell. She was the lead guitarist for Korn. He is a rock star. He was a rock star and now he loves Jesus. Will you help welcome Brian Welsh out here for me? <laughs> One more time, man. Last time. Last time. It's going to be good. Have a seat. It's a lot of people here. I know. We got it crammed in for you, man. This is cool. It's a dad's life. Uh, Brian is not only a rock star, he is also a dad. Uh, He's got a daughter named Janae that's 13. So uh, pretty cool because it's Father's Day and he's here and that has a lot to do with his story. Also pretty cool because today is his birthday. Um, So... So I think uh, we should sing, don't you? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. He's all shy. Happy birthday, dear head. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Wait, wait. 41. 41, in case you want to know. Uh, I want you to do happy birthday in heavy metal. Happy birthday oh. to you. That's the way we should have done it. Wake up. 
Well, that's the way we should have done it. Happy birthday, man. All right, so uh, crazy story. You're uh, growing up in California. You uh, decide that you want to be a guitar player. Why is that? How'd that whole thing start in the first place? I got three hours sleep last night, so pray for me. <laughs> okay, no. I got you, man. No, no. I'm it wasn't good. my fault. I let him go home about now. I forgot how to sleep. Yeah. I quit the meth. What's the deal? <laughs> Dang. No, a guitar was my entrance into uh just getting popularity i guess i loved music though melodies i just loved i remember listening to the queen eight track remember queen oh, and yeah. eight tracks yeah i was like i put in a queen eight track and i heard like uh, another one bites the dust oh, and yeah. all that yeah. and i heard like a i heard one tom roll and i was like i want to be a musician really so i was like dad i want to play drums and he's like uh you don't want to play drums. You should do something else that, you know, because uh, there's a lot of, you got to carry That's around noisy. all this stuff. So he just totally talked me out of it. And so uh, I played guitar. I started playing acoustic guitar. Learned Mary Had a Little Lamb and uh, Smoke on the Water. Yeah. Those two songs. I think yeah. we could all play that one. So, and then, uh, I don't know. I, I got picked on when I was a kid. I was just kind of chubby and... Uh, and my my friends kind of grew before me, so they would like hold me down, pink belly me, and stuff like that. And uh, but but when I played guitar, they all knew I played guitar, and the bullies like would even like they'd get respect for me. They play that play that Aussie song, man, you know. And so they wouldn't beat me up. My brother, he's this new wave flock of seagulls hairdo like that, and he he, he even like we fought all the time. But he was like, hey, play my friends at Van Halen solo, you know. And so it was just my... You got respect. It was my thing, you know, and yeah. I just loved it. I loved I wasn't really good with my dad. My mom, me and my mom got along, but uh, it was just uh, something I, I just went and, and got into a lot. Okay. So you, uh, you met Fieldy in, in, in junior high, right? But you guys started playing in some bands. You had your own bands. Along the way, tell us how Corn got started. Yeah, I met Fieldy, the bass player of Corn, when we were like uh, 12, 13 or something in junior high. I was walking around. I had Aussie pictures and stuff on my peachy, that folder, you know, the peachies. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he had Duran Duran on his peachy, so I'll throw him right under the bus. He was a little, uh, yeah. he, he wasn't a yeah. metalhead, but I was like, dude, you got to get into Aussie. But around 15, we started hanging around a lot, and he played guitar too, but he wasn't very good, so I told him to play bass. He had less strings, and I thought he could do it better. So he played bass, and he... He, he's hey, a hey, very respected bass player. If you're wondering what they're doing, they're picking up your cards, okay? I'm sorry, I forgot to say that again. Um, they're picking up your cards for winning the guitar. If there wasn't a card in front of you, um, put, put it on a piece of paper and stick it in the basket when it comes by, okay? And if you get missed, just pass it to the end of the aisle. We'll come back and pick them all up in a minute because we're going to give you that guitar at the end of this. Cool. Only one of you. Only one, the chosen one. So... So you start playing in other bands, and then you start picking up all together, and then Corn gets started, and it's meteoric. It's crazy the way things get started. You got a label, and then boom. Tell us about how everything happened. Yeah, just uh, well, yeah, I played in little cheesy bands when I was a teenager, and then me and my friends we regrouped uh, around 20 in LA, and we got we got Corn together. We came up with a name. We you know Children of the Corn. There's a horror movie, and we yeah. just. I don't know. We put it all together, like put the R backwards because it was he sang about a lot of child child abuse and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So he was like a kid writing it backwards, and and so we, I don't know. We just came up with this thing. We made stickers. We plastered stickers all over the place. We we rented buses and would pile our friends with a keg of beer and take them up to Hollywood and and all the clubs would be like, who's this band Corn? You know, what is that? And they're bringing all these people in a bus, and so record companies were like. 
you know, coming to check us out. We got a deal. You know, we were all working at Pizza Hut. Our, our singer was a mortician assistant at a high school. <laughs> so he was like in a band, a singer, and a mortician assistant. He'd bring, ba- he'd bring home like used body bags, freak his grossest friends out, all kinds of stuff. But he'd quit that and to move to Hollywood and to become a singer for a rock band. And he worked at Pizza Hut. So... And uh, he, he worked his way to manager. We were, most of us were like delivery drivers. We, uh, I'd deliver pizza on a bike in Balboa Island looking like a nerd. You yeah. all the, the yeah. little surfer kids were like, look at that guy, who's a nerd? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when we got a record deal, it was like, bam, who's a nerd now, punk? No. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I went from uh, delivering pizzas to I got like $40,000 check. You know, I thought my, my, my dreams came true, you know, and it was... You know, those other guys went and bought Mercedes and stuff. I put my money in the bank because I was dirt poor, and I was like, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna be poor again. Yeah. You know, so. So uh, all of a sudden, you you're opening for your childhood hero, Ozzy. Ozzy. Yes. Ozzy. He is. Yeah, it was awesome. Like the four tours into the, our record cycle, and you know, we were just watching Crazy Train every night, and just watching this guy. He was on my. I had posters all in my room, and here I am, you know, with him, and he's like. We went gold. Our album sold 500,000 records. Just it took only a few months. It was crazy how how it came. And he came into our dressing room. Him and his wife Sharon. They bought us champagne. And uh, he came in to say, "Congratulations! Uh, I'm really loving." And his wife was like the interpreter. And she said, All he says, he's proud of you. <laughs> and uh, so, but she was like, she really like told us like, you guys are going to go really far in the music business. And you know, and she was really cool. So. It meant a lot, you know, and started touring with other bands, Marilyn Manson, Megadeth, and it, you know, it was fun in the beginning. It was just like a bunch of friends hanging out. Sure. And I said earlier, it was like a, it's like if you went to college with your friends, you know, in a frat house and just you're drinking and stuff. It's just like that, but without school. You know what I mean? And touring around the world. So, I mean, we kept it pretty. It was just drinking Coors Light, you know. We kept it pretty. Pretty tame in the beginning, but yeah. things started to turn as we got bigger. Well, talk talk about that. I mean, you know, there's a point I think all of us imagine being a rock star is all of a sudden then you got the girls, you got the drugs, you got you know anything you possibly want, and everybody adores you. So that's when things started to turn dark for you guys. Talk about that. Yeah, it's just you know when I was a kid, I wanted to be the rock star and stuff because of music. I just loved music, and I yeah. never thought about drugs. I never thought about like. The girls and what they would do and stuff. I just yeah. didn't get into that. Even though I loved Motley Crue and they were all about that and everything, yeah. but I just didn't. I wasn't like that. But it, it was. I saw how fast that, like, it, how dark it is, you know. And I, saw, I was seeing, like, even on like a Marilyn Manson tour, like the just really young girls, you know, mm. just doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was just inside, you know, because I asked Christ in my heart when I was like 12. Right. Right, you know, and uh, but I, I got off my knees after I did it. I didn't tell nobody, but I believe, you know, he came in and I was I was seeing the world through his eyes somewhat, you know, and like no matter I didn't know it was real, but how no matter how dark I got, I always had that conscience. And, and, and the, the more things that I saw or did, it was like just making me hate myself more because it wasn't who I was. If there was you know? a conscience. There was a Holy Spirit was inside of you. Yeah. Telling you something. Totally. And uh but I just got darker and darker, you know, um, as the years went by. The hangover started to take over, and you're like, man, it's fun when you're laughing with your friends. But then it's like Groundhog's Day. Every day playing the same set, different city. Yeah. 
hungover and we're like we can't wait to pop open that first beer the next day because it takes you know took away our hangover and then that it didn't work after a while but we got big the third record we got like number one albums number one videos and mtv backstreet boys in sync were battling you know and it's just like the biggest you can be and, you know mtv awards sit behind eminem so close like a flick his ear dr dre <laughs> j-lo we went to parties afterwards and Madonna and Paul McCartney. It didn't, didn't get bigger than that. You know what no, I mean? No, it doesn't get any bigger and than so, that. But every time like, I was like, oh, this is so cool, something bad happened. Like me and my wife were getting a fight or something. And mm -hmm. it was just like, it just didn't seem to sit well with me. I was like, I don't know. All of my friends in the band, too. I'm not the whiny guy in corn that's like poor rock star. It was just we weren't happy, you know? Yeah. Like everybody's relationships were broken and yeah. everything. And it was just like... What is this what well, is life about? Which is fascinating. Let's jump in on the let's jump in on the wife thing and the, and, and your daughter. Uh, everybody, all the guys in the band decided, okay, we're going to be rock stars, but we're we also we want to have the Ozzy and Harriet thing back home, and we want to have the Ozzy and Sharon thing out there. I guess I just made that up. We we, we want to have you know we want to have the we want to have the 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 home life. We want to come home to the you know the wife and the dress and the high heels and you know our little babies back home, but we want to go out and be rock stars. Everybody wanted to do that. Everybody got married, right? What happened to that for you? We were just a bunch of pigs, you know. We, yeah, we wanted everything. And we were spoiled and, and just we spoiled rotten. Like everything that we wanted, we got plus more. And we started buying houses and cars and mm -hmm. everything we, we wanted, we bought. And, uh, and, yeah, we'd go on the road and just act like pigs, but come home and be like, hi, honey, you know, and stuff like that. And it was just, you know, trying to raise. I, I got married to this girl I was with for a long time. And, uh. And we got married and had a baby and uh, little Jenea we were talking about earlier. And, and uh, you know, life, when we got home, we really tried to, you know, have a good life. And I was, I was like, when my baby was born, I was like, man, this is going to be it. Because me and Rebecca, like long before, like little before Corn just started touring, we had a baby and, and we gave the baby up for adoption. We almost had an abortion, but... Um, but we gave the baby up for adoption, so this was when we got married and had another kid. It was just like our chance, you know. We got money now, we got mm -hmm. a house, and we mm -hmm. made it through all the difficult times. So, so I got sober when the baby was born. I was just wanted to be a good dad, you know. But when I hit the road, I was back to my old tricks, drinking, and and I just couldn't stay sober. Even my kid couldn't keep me sober. So. And you and you graduated up from alcohol on to other things. What would the drug addiction like? Meth, you know. Meth was like. I was never like I had it under control, you know. I did it a couple times, few times, you know, mm. earlier in life. But uh, I would fall into it, you know, and I, pro I, I didn't want to do it anymore. Now that I was a father, but when I would come home, me and my wife would do it, and uh, just, you know, just oh, we'll just do it just this once and yeah. kind of thing. And, uh, and and I brought porno into our our marriage. Just you just get all sick, you know, on that stuff. If you don't uh, if you don't know what uh, meth does to a person because you lived in a bit of a sheltered life i have an illustration for you uh, this is how to spot a meth lab okay uh, this is a yellow lab this is a black lab this is a chocolate lab and this is a meth lab <laughs> just a little help for you okay don't do drugs don't do drugs look at that dog <laughs> But, uh, I mean, we can laugh about it, but it, it, it took control of your life and eventually ruined your marriage. I felt like that dog. I, I'm sure like, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, we, were, we got bad. You know, I brought it into the house. I was the man of the house. I'd come home and say, hey, 
it's just some, you know. Yeah. So it's my fault. I take blame for it. But when I left, I wouldn't do it on the road because I had work to do. But I left my poor, you know, ex-wife. She was there, and she wasn't strong enough to not. So she would get it, and she'd do it around, you know, with the kid at home. And I was just like, it got so bad where she got hooked up with these skinhead guys. She told me they were just friends from her past because she ran away when she was 14 and lived on the streets in Huntington Beach. And she she let these guys come into our house and she let them live there. And she's like, I'm helping my friends out. But in reality, she was sleeping with this guy. And when my kid was there and they were having like big parties, all night parties at my house. And these these skinhead dudes, they were like second strike felons. And they were taking like my corn stuff and hawking it taking it to a pawn shop that my friend owned, and he's calling me, dude, there's a skinhead in here who's hawking your thing for a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, I was freaking out, you know, enraged. I'm on tour with Metallica, and I'm like, you know, just enraged. So I call my friend, not even thinking. I'm like, go get Rob's gun, go over our house, and get these skinheads out of my house. And I'm just going, freaking out, you know? Yeah. My, that's my family. Yeah. And not thinking of what old, could happen. How old was Janae at the time? Two. Yeah. Run around in diapers. And so uh, I got... When, I, when he got there, luckily there's no one there except a babysitter and my daughter. And right around there, I had a break with the Metallica tour, so I flew home, got my kid. It was like, you're, you know, you're going to be around me now. I'm not. You can't be around no skinhead, yeah. you know, meth heads. So I took her on the road, and I was a single dad from there on. I went to court to, for custody, and my wife, she was so strung out, she didn't show up to fight me. And she was scared. She was like, you know, all the powerful lawyers that I had, you know, and she was. she thought she'd lose, so... There I was. I took her on tour and tried to juggle this single dad and rock star, you know. And it was, it was hard. I felt for this kid because this kid is such a little beautiful little angel, you know. And she's around all this, like, everything but innocent is what Corn yeah. was and all my friends. But you're trying to make the best of it. You know, everybody tried to pitch in. The big old bodyguards pushing the stroller around on the road. And yeah. It was like, it was pretty cool, you know. But, uh, but there was I, no way it was going to work. Nah. I tried to get sober after that, too. I... I didn't share this in the other services. But I don't know. I got I feel like I should, but I came home. What got me sober is I came home after the Metallica tour. I was sitting in my house. I was heartbroken. I was drinking, and my ba- the baby was asleep. It was just me and her. And I uh, I woke up at three in the morning because I passed out on the couch. And I went to check on Janaea, and she was gone. There was she was nowhere to be found. And I was like just freaking out, going, "Oh my, where's my kid? Did somebody come in and take her?" I was looking all over the house. I wound up in the backyard. She was asleep on a lounge chair but right next to the pool, two years old. She could have fell in there. And uh, I'm just sharing, man. I know that's, I that, look like that's a loser here. Says. But I'm showing you how bad it got. Yeah. And, uh, and luckily, you know, I got because that was my chair that I smoked cigarettes in. And she was just looking for me in the middle of the night. And I was passed out. But I grabbed her, put her. That scared me so bad. I got sober again for like six months. I just was like, man, I got to do this for this kid. I got to do this. And I started working out and eating vegetables and trying to do right. And uh, 9-11 hit and, and, and everyone's freaking out, you know, into the world stuff. And yeah. I was like, me and my friend, like, we're sober. But, you know, there's always some, there's always someone right there to help you fall, too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, imagine we, were like, that. we were like, let's just start drinking, man, you know. So I started drinking, fell into pills, got addicted to Vicodin, went through this. I got worse than I ever was. And I you were expected. taking 17 Vicodin a day. Yeah, I, I got up to that. And you know, when, when I interviewed Josh Hamilton, and he was telling me all the, all the stuff he was doing in you, I mean, you prayed back before the service, you know, thank you for allowing me to be here because I should be dead. I mean, that's the honest to, honest to God yeah. truth. You should be, he should have been. It's amazing that you're here. 
I know it, it really is, and that's why I'm so thankful for this life with God, man. And that's why I'm 100% because He spared me. Yeah, yeah. So you couldn't get you. You tried to kick it, but you couldn't kick it. And finally, you you met some Christians that weren't as weird as you thought Christians ought to be, and they helped you find Jesus. Tell us about how you found Christ. Well, you know, I looked so down on my ex-wife and all the skinheads. I just wanted to kill them, at, you know, at that point. So I was so I had so much bitterness, but. I found myself with a bag of speed after I promised myself I wouldn't do it. Mm. I just couldn't stop doing this stuff, you know. And uh, and I, I was like, I'll just do it this weekend. The next weekend, I, I found I got some more. The next weekend, got some more. Then I turned it to everyday habit. Two years, I uh, I started doing speed, and I was so addicted. I tried to quit in between tours, but I couldn't. I was I was just jacked. I was so addicted to it. I found uh, I did a whole Ozfest tour. We reunited with Ozzy. I spent that tour in my own tour bus, you know, listening to Ozzy in the distance. I didn't go anywhere to see anybody because I was so paranoid and just I had my own bus and everything. And uh, and Lincoln Park, we went on tour with them, and I was on drugs the whole time. And uh, I would I did a world tour with Corn, and I had my dealers like send me when I stuff in the mail when I ran out. I was risking my freedom. I was risking everything. And uh, I was just I was just such a loser, you know what I mean? And but I had everything I ever wanted on the outside. I looked like I was just so successful, you know, but it, life didn't make sense. At the, end, at the end of 2004, I was like, i got to get clean and sober for my kid. i got to do this. And I, I tried to go to rehab, you know, and, and do it my way again. And uh, the doctor just prescribed me more drugs. He's like, this will help you get up to speed. And I was like, oh, great, more pills. You know, I've been addicted to pills. It's the last thing I need. But I ended up in the church with some friends that I was doing real estate deals with. These guys weren't like Ned Flanders. They were like, you know... The Oakley Doakley, just all clean and stuff. <laughs> this guy built monster trucks. He was like, yeah, man, da, da. you know, and he's like, yeah, Jesus. And, and so I was like, this I could get, you know. So he invited me to church. I went there and the pastor was talking and he was talking. The pastor was saying how he used to beat up on, on his wife when he was drinking. And I was like, what? I thought holy rolls were like all perfect, you know. And so I related yeah. to it. And this guy was like. Just, the pastor was just saying, man, Jesus is so real. He had this look in his eye, and he's like, man, he turned my life up, like right side up. And, and just he, all I did was just pray to him and say, Jesus, I give you my life every day. And he started, like the things that, the, the alcohol and everything just started to fall away, like one by one as time went on. Mm. And I was like, man, that sounds so good. And I started thinking back to when I was 12 and asked Christ in my heart. I was like, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I'm miserable. Maybe that's why I can't stop drinking and doing drugs. Maybe I took the wrong path in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I just can't enjoy myself. And I was like, no, this is crazy. That can't be true. There's no, how, if there was a God for real, you'd be able to see him, you know? So there's tug of yeah. war going oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, I'll go back to that rehab guy. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I went home. I'll get some more pills. Yeah. yeah, and I, so I received Christ at church. I went home. I put it to the test, and I did exactly what that pastor said to do. If it worked for him, he's gonna work for me. So I said, Jesus, come into my, you know, come into my life and take these drugs for me, and and, and make me a, a better father. Cause I'm gonna be, I'm gonna end up like my ex-wife if you don't help me. You know, I'm just gonna be Jack. She's doing well, by the way, now. But yeah. but man, I'm, in a couple of weeks, I had an encounter with the love of God that was so like the forgiveness. Just he saw me just reaching out. And so he just forgave me and poured his just love around me inside it. my soul. It was like the, 
it was like refreshing drink in my soul, you know, and words can't even describe it, but it took me out of my muddy crystal meth feeling and it just I got to feel a touch of heaven and I was so I was instantly hooked. And I was like, This is all I ever wanted. This is all I ever wanted in life. The the yeah. drugs and all that stuff it never satisfied me. The the fame, the money, the success. And I was like just done. I was undone. I was like I was sold out for God from that moment on. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. That was the best. Um, here's a couple pictures of Jenea now. She's 13. He's still a single dad. I, I, shout out to you single dads out there. And she pretty? I think you snuck that picture over. I can tell. She's like, what? She's beautiful. She's, she's an awesome kid, man. She's got some problems, though, doesn't she? Musically. Yeah, she I mean, we just gotta pray for her. I'm asking, I'm sending out messages everywhere. Yeah. Just I can't hear this Justin Bieber guy anymore, man. I'm just gonna like lose my mind. <laughs> it's a sin. <laughs> I'm telling him, man, I'm a metal like my parents listen to Anne Marie and stuff like that. <laughs> I rebel to listen to cunt like listen to metal and stuff. Mike, I'm a metal head, man. She's rebelling to listen to like Bruno Mars and all this stuff. It's like Come on, man. You go, you go to bed at night with... I go to bed at night and all I hear is, Baby, 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 oh. Which I just think is so funny because how many parents went to bed at night hearing, Roar, roar. Corn, yeah. It's all, it's all payback, man. It's all payback. Um, Forgiveness. It's, it's awesome. Uh, I don't know, I, you know... It was a special moment for me to get a chance to have head here, and I decided that I would go ahead and, and try to, you know, do some stuff to to be like him. Yeah, so, that's uh, what's up. So I, I got inked up. I, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but these are uh, these are the leftover rub-on tattoos from our uh, from our marriage series. This is a Hebrew word for covenant. Well, I like to look. We should go hit up. I know I know a guy downtown Chicago. Uh, I, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. Tell me about the ink. I mean, you got a lot of cool stuff, and, and there's some specific ones that are awesome. Talk, talk about that. And I was like, I was reading the Bible after I got saved, and I was like, you know, because I quit corn. There's $25 million. Yeah, talk bonus. about that first. I left. I walked away from it because I felt God was like, you're not going to live for money anymore. Do you want all of me? And I was like, yes, I don't want to sign my next like two or three more years away so yeah. I don't see my daughter. So I walked away from that. And I just was 100% for him, you know. And I was like, I started reading the Bible, and I'm like, I, like a Matthew 11:28, you know, came into my life, and I, I tattooed that. Then I'd read another one, and I'd tattoo that. So I just started going nuts, and uh, I don't know. I just wanted to get tattoos. Sorry. Yeah, all good. The Lord changed me inside. He filled me with his glory here. The Lord judges the heart, not yeah. the outside. Yeah, so, you well, you're, I mean? you're demonstrating the outside. Yeah. Right? Uh, that's all. I'm an, right. I'm an example of that. You got it. Um, you know, the, the Old Testament says that you shouldn't mark up your body, but the verse right after that says you shouldn't wear uh, material that has more than one kind of material in it. Like, you can't wear a cotton poly blend. I mean, it's kind of kind of ridiculous. If we're going to take one, we've got to take the rest of it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, there and, was, and that's just me, you know. The, yeah. The other people... Don't like tattoos? That's cool. That's for them. You know, we're all different, and we're all a bunch of different colors in the body of Christ. Absolutely. And you're, you're quite a color, my friend. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, what would you say to uh, 
people in our, in our audience who are thinking about um, a relationship with Jesus. Maybe, maybe they had one and they walked away. Maybe they never had one. What did Matthew eleven twenty eight say? What does that mean to you and what would you tell them? Oh, that scripture is everything, man. I was like up, I was I was up on speed one night, and this guy, my broker actually, and he he sent me. He goes, man, Brian, I've been doing Bible studies like five in the morning, you know. And he's like, I I haven't done this, I don't do this, but I just felt like this scripture would mean something to you, you know. I, I hope you don't take this wrong. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight, you know. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. And it was the words of Jesus. And I was like, I saw that, and I was like. Wow, I need that. And I started thinking back to Jesus when I was a kid. And I was like, man, if this is true, this is like the best, the best thing ever. It sounded too good to be true. I know, you know? it does, doesn't it? And so I was like, is, is Jesus telling this guy? Is he real? And so, man, I, he gave me that. And then some other lady, when I started going to church, she gave me a card like to encourage me. And I opened it. It was like Matthew eleven twenty eight. I was like, how does she know that, you know, but it was God reaching out to me. I went the first day I went to church. It was on the screen, Matthew eleven twenty eight. I'm like, come on. Twilight Zone stuff. You think drugs are, are fun? You guys, anybody here messing with drugs, man, try God, like, invading your life, man. You're here for a reason. You're going to get the real high. God's the most high. Amen. That's so, right. Yeah, and it's just Amen. the best thing ever, man. I felt like... I was given the opportunity to jump on this world's roller coaster and ride it. I got everything I ever wanted. I bought everything I could buy. Nothing compares to a relationship with God, you know. And that's what I would say to anybody that's that's searching. It's real. And if you if you give your whole life, if you if you make that decision, say, God, I'm going to give you my life every day, not just here today on Father's Day for emotional thing, but every day. I got saved, and I was like, What am I going to do? The church is closed Monday. So I was like. I started, I, li- I found worship that I liked, and I was just thanking God every day for my, for my deliverance from drugs, and I was, I listened to sermons, yeah. I have church every day at home, I gave my life to him, that's when he became real, and man, it, it uh, you guys know, a lot yeah. of you know, yeah. it's just like, it's the best ever. Well, and you, uh, you culminated the whole thing by getting baptized, I mean, we're a big church that believes in baptism here, we, first thing people did in the Bible when they got saved is they went and got baptized, talk about your, because in your book... Uh, which we ran out of, unfortunately, but you should go get it. God save me, save me for myself is what it's called. You talk about baptism. You said it was the best decision you ever made. Talk about your baptism for a sec. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I mean, di- no disrespect, but you guys are little cheaters. You got warm water. I went to Israel, and it was like freezing. It was free, but I got baptized in the Jordan. I was like, I was just streams of uh, water were coming. Yeah, Jordan River in the Bible. Boom. Yeah, boom. And, uh, I was in a white robe. I grew out my beard or curly hair, and like they took pictures of me looking like Jesus. And uh, it was like the number one downloaded picture on Yahoo that that weekend or whatever that day that it happened. I, I know people were making fun of me, but it was just like to me, it was everything. I was like, God, I mean this. I love you. Thank yeah. you for loving me. I'm gonna lay my whole life down, and I'm gonna show it to you by going down in the water. Sharing in Jesus' death, coming out of the water, share his resurrection, and now I'm going to start walking it out by faith. And it was so special to me. So I encourage anybody, get baptized and just, let's, let's mean it, you know, just yeah, do it 100%, man. He's waiting. Cool. I'm going to, yeah, thank you. I'm going to, 
I'm going to show you some really cool baptisms we had last night at the 545 service. But what we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to, band's going to come back out and do a song. Really impressive to me how many different crazy angles that, that people brought a message of Christ in through you. A Nine Inch Nails song, the Pinocchio story, a birthday cake for Jesus your daughter asked for. So many little signs along the way. And I want for this to be a little sign for you along the way. I want you to spend just a moment, because this is a Foo Fighters song, okay? But it's got an unbelievable message about coming back, learning to walk again. I'm learning to do this, okay? So what, what I'm going to ask you to do is just listen to this song pray. If you never prayed before, just say, God, I need to hear from you right now. And then when we come back out after the song, Brian's going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ. He's going to pray and offer you the chance to receive Christ right after this song. So open up your hearts right now, pray, and let's go do this. I believe you've waited long enough. I believe that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. And I don't care what you've done. In front of me is a guy who's done everything, okay? It's probably not very much that you could have done in your life that Ed hasn't figured out already once in his life. And he's here to tell you that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You can learn to walk again. You can learn to talk again. God is calling out to you. God is your father. Don't worry about the rest of it. God is your father. He's calling you home. All you got to do is accept Jesus as your savior and you will be in his family. He will adopt you like Jay was talking at the beginning about adopting Raina. God will adopt you and what no matter what happened with your family You will be in God's family again God said Jesus said whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life How great the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God you can be that right now. Brian's going to lead you in a prayer. All you've got to do is open up your heart and pray after him. What do you want to say? I just want to say, God, the whole Bible is about God pursuing man and going after man. And that's why you're feeling things, many of you, that you've never felt before. It's not my words. It's not just emotional stuff. It's the living God coming yeah. touching your heart saying, right. come to me. That's and right. today is your day. It's time. You know it's time. It's time to surrender. It's time to give your whole life to God. And it's the best thing. And it's, the, oh, it's a wild ride, too. It's not yeah. boring. Yeah. So let's just pray, you guys. Yeah. Just say this in your heart and believe it with everything in you. Just say, Lord Jesus, Jesus. Come, into my heart. come into my heart. Help me give you my whole life. Let me give you my whole life. Forgive me of all my sins. Teach me how to know you. Teach me how to know you. Teach me how to believe, Lord. Teach me how to love you and receive your love. I thank you for my salvation today. Thank you for my salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord God, I pray for those who just prayed that for the first time. I know that you're there. I know that you're there. I know you've been knocking on the door of their heart for so long. I pray that you'll help them to understand how real you really are. Help them to know that if they turn their life over to you, you can help them conquer any addiction. You can help them conquer anything that's going on in their life. Because now greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Now we have your power. All we have to do is rely on it. And Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. This is all. I had a blast here. Good, man. Good. I had a blast here. This church is crazy. You're crazy. Yeah. But I love it. <laughs> Thank you guys. Crazy, man. We are crazy.
Crazy to see you. All right, we're going to do communion. And uh, listen, if you just made that decision, uh, I just want to encourage you right now to fill out that card on your uh, bulletin and let us know because we want to really follow up with you. And if you want to talk to somebody right now or right after the service, right outside those doors and to the right, there's a prayer room. There's somebody waiting to pray with you right now. Right now we're going to have communion. And like I said, I, I know that, you know, for, so, for some Father's Day is hard. Maybe you lost a father this year. Maybe you wanted to be a father and you weren't. Maybe you didn't have one or didn't have a relationship with them. And it gets muddy because all of a sudden I start saying our father in heaven and Jesus talks about Abba, my daddy, father. And you just can't relate to that. I just want to give you one scripture. It's from the Old Testament prophet Zephaniah. And usually the prophets are like, bam, 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 you're bad people. You need to get your stuff together, right? And Zephaniah, in the middle of being a prophet, he says, hey, let me tell you a little bit about God. Here it is in Zephaniah. It says, the Lord your God is with you. The Lord is mighty to save. Listen to this. He will take great delight in you. As a father, I can tell you that I take great delight in my children. I love whipping out my iPhone and showing people a picture of my daughters. That is the image that you should have of God inside of you, that he is proud of you. Yes, you disappoint him. Yes, you do things. My kids disappoint me. That doesn't matter. God takes great delight in you. And then it goes on and it says, and he will quiet you with his love. Some of you walked in here today and you're beat up. You're you're like the the, the little kid that's up in the middle of the night crying because something's not right. You're hungry. You've got an issue of some kind going on. And God will quiet you with his love, the prophet said. Doesn't that just conjure up an image of God getting up in the middle of the night and coming over to your bed and, and, and stroking your hair and telling you it's going to be okay? I love you, honey. That is the picture of your real father. And then the one last thing he said is he will rejoice over you with singing. What that literally means is he will dance over you with singing. The Hebrews would have interpreted that passage as God will dance with you. And I'm not talking about a slow dance. I'm talking about God. I mean, you know, all of my life, I dreaded the daddy daughter dance at the wedding. You know, I was just like, man, I don't, I'm just going to be a a complete mess. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And it happened a couple of weeks ago and I was a complete mess and I didn't get through it very well. But you know what? The memories that I have of dancing with my kids that are really fun are not going to be that. The memories are in the videos are when they were young and I would pick them up and we would swing them around. I would swing them around and they would be in my arms and we would boogie, you know. It was earth, wind, and fire or it was corn or, you know, whatever it was. I, it, it would be something where we would be jamming and dancing and having fun. That is what that scripture means. God's going to pick you up. I know you skinned your knee. I know your fingers got an owie on it. Let me pick you up and dance and let's boogie. That's what that, that's what that scripture is. He will delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. If you're crying, he will pick you up and boogie with you. That is the image that you should have of the almighty God. And as we take communion right now, just thank him for that. Just say, Hey, And maybe this is the first time you could actually say it. Hey, God, happy Father's Day. Let's pray. God, I thank you for my dad. Thank you for allowing me to be a dad. 
And uh, I thank you for all the fathers that are here in this room and represented in this room. Because Father's Day is cool. Dads are dorks, but, but it's cool. It's cool that we can honor us because um, one way or another, you've given us our dads and, and we bless them. But right now, we just want to say happy Father's Day to you. And that really just means happy Father's Day to us <clears throat> because that just means that we're very, very fortunate because we get to be in your family and love you. And you take delight in us and you can't wait to whip out your iPhone and show people our picture and you soothe us in the middle of the night when we're troubled and when we've got problems, you pick us up and dance with us. And we've all felt it. Lord, there are people in here who just... Uh, just just decided to be in your family today. Help this to be the most unbelievable Father's Day they've ever had. Help them to turn it all over to you. All their problems aren't going to go away. There's still going to be trouble in this world. But Lord, help them to know that. That you are there. That you are holding them. And Jesus, we thank you for being our brother to come and pay the price for us so that we could be adopted into this family. How great is your love that you would lay down your life for a friend. How great is your love, Father, that we should be called the children of God. We worship you right now as we commune in Jesus' name. Amen.